Well, I want to kick off a series that I think that is very important because um, so I've been um, I've been a member of Planet Fitness for about three years, but I've only been going to Planet Fitness for about three months. (laughs) Can I get amen? (laughs) I've been keeping them in business. I'm faithful tither, faithful tither. Than uh, paying people's salaries, but I've been going for about three months, and uh, man, I'm probably feeling healthier than I've ever felt in my life. I had a, a few health scares last year, and and uh, so I had to make a change in my life. And but when I first started going back to Planet Fitness, I used to could just walk in and get on any apparatus that I wanted in there. I mean, like I had the gym to myself, and so I I mean I know all the people that work there; they know me by name. I'm the pastor of Planet Fitness. That's that's my spot. Literally, I am the pastor. When I walk in, what's up, Pastor Pitts, man? What's the word? You know, uh, I, I'm in there just, just inviting people to church, loving on them, preaching to them. Sometimes I can't even get to my workout, but it, it was just a small group of people that were in there. And so I was excited. So I took a little break uh, at the end of the year to let my body recuperate and, 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 and get ready for the coming year. So I went on January 2nd to the gym and my God, it's like everybody, their mama and their cat and dog was in there on the treadmill. Everybody was on the elliptical. Everyone, I mean, I walked in, I, I, I turned around to the people, I said, y'all got to stop letting people in my gym. Like, this is my gym. And uh, I started laughing because there was another guy, his name is Speedy Gonzalez, and he may be watching online, and, and, and Coach Speedy, man, uh, I, I, Speedy, I looked at Speedy, I said, this won't last. They'll be gone next month. By February, I have my gym back to myself because they're going to realize that it takes effort and consistency to keep going. And so I have my gym back to myself. So y'all be praying for me as I endure this month to where all the, you know, fair weather workout people get out the way so I can have my gym to myself. All right. But, but I feel this is the same way it happens with the church. The first thing people say at the beginning of the new year is I'm going to Come on, say it. I'm going to. And you hear a lot of people say that, man, I'm going to church. It's a new year, new me, new year, same God. We totally missed out on that one as a church, I guess. I don't know. We're not cool enough. But it's a new year, same God. And now everybody is going to church. But much like the gym, this ideology has caused people to make a commitment they never intend to keep. Because they're going to church. If they were, if they understood what it really meant, I don't think they'll make that commitment, that false commitment. And so over the next few months, we'll see churches around the world. I mean, I'm, I look online, I'm a church geek, so I'm looking online, rolling, I'm looking at all these churches, they're packed, I mean, just bursting out the seams. They're saying new people come, people making commitments to Jesus. But unfortunately, by the end of the first quarter, all those people are gone. And then you settle back down to what the new norm. And in church growth, they tell you, don't count those numbers on the influx of a new year. Uh, Wait till you settle in and then you'll know what you really have as a church. And so I believe it's because 
We've created an ideology that doesn't match up with what God's theology of the church is. And so in this series, we want to teach you that we are the church and the church is not just a destination. It's not just the location, but we are the church. Come and look at someone and say, we are the church. And so I want to open up with this scripture in Acts chapter 2, the birth of the New Testament church, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And this year, I, I plan on breaking every preaching rule as it relates to scriptural reading on Sunday mornings, because they'll tell you in church, only stick to reading one verse or two verses. No, we're going to be a Bible church. We won't be biblically illiterate, all right? And so we're going to teach scripture, all right? So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Wow. One through eight. And verse one says this, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all what? Where? All right. They were all together in one place. That's a gathering. We'll talk about that in the series a little more. But uh, today I want to open up with something a little different. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them tongues as fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be a church filled with the Holy Spirit guys. We're going to be a Holy Spirit-filled church. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Here, they're not talking about the manifestation of the initial feeling or the evidence. They're talking about actual different languages, okay? Speaking in other nationalities' language, all right? And so he said they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered. So they began to speak in languages that they didn't normally speak in. And there were people coming from, because this was a time of Pentecost, there was a feast happening and people from different ethnicities and and different nations and different dialects of tongues were all in this one place celebrating this feast. And these people come from a gathering much like we're doing right now. And they go out and speak the language of the culture. And because they begin to speak the language of the culture and the mysteries of heaven in the language of that culture, it caused them to do what? Come together. Are you following me? And so they came together and, and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in their, his own language. They were amazed and astonished saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Like they're not from where I'm from. They're not from Glen Oaks. Why are they speaking Glen Oaks language? You know, they're not from Louisiana. Why are they speaking, you know, Jambalaya? <laughs> But, but he says that they're, they're, they're Galileans. They shouldn't know how to speak this. And verse eight, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Let me tell you when God's fill you with his spirit and you become the church and not just go to church, you will begin to speak languages that people understand. 
They'll understand where you're coming from. You, you'll, you'll begin to declare the mysteries of God in a way that every nation, every tongue, every tribe can understand. We can't just get caught up in our own little corner and be able to understand each other, but we're called to be so much more than a Sunday morning gathering. Are you with me? So we're kicking off a series that says, I go to slash, no, I am the church. Come on. Everyone say, I am the church. Online. Come on, put that in the chat. I am the church. We are the church. You see, let me give a little background and a historical background. This is, uh, you're in seminary with me. Okay, cemetery. We're going to take you through seminary this month. We're going to dive a little deeper. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, God gave Adam and Eve a commandment and an imperative statement to be fruitful and multiply. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, God tells them to be fruitful fruitful and multiply. He didn't give them an option. He didn't say, if you feel like it, go multiply. He didn't say, if you feel like it, go be fruitful. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Replenish, say replenish. Replenish the earth means that whenever the earth is deprived, we as the creation of God have the responsibility to put back into it what was extracted. And we live in a culture right now where the spirit of God, morality, and truth have been extracted from a generation, and there's supposed to be a church alive that's supposed to be able to go out and impart what was extracted. Brandy, you understand this as being uh, married to a farmer. Whenever the nutrients are extracted from the ground, y'all have to go back out there and put back in so the ground can continue to be fruitful. And that's the hope that the church have on the inside of us. That's why I love Anchor Chapel. There is hope for every soul. What are we saying? We can impart what the enemy try to take away. Oh, come on, y'all with me this morning. Amen. If you're going to clap, go ahead and clap. Come on, one, two, three, four, five, clap. Go ahead. There we go. Come on. And so the gospel's... And and so not only did God give that, the gospels, then the gospel, we see Jesus telling his disciples to do the same thing. But he says it a little differently. He says, go into all the world teaching them to observe what I've taught you. He was saying the same thing God told Adam and Eve because Jesus put us back in the right standing of the fall of man. Jesus was the second Adam. He comes as the perfect creation to die for us so we can function as God's perfect creation. And so Jesus says, go and give this good news to everyone. This is commissioned by the father to do what? Increase his house. We see this in the parable of the marriage feast where he says, if they don't want to come, you go to the highways, the byways and the hedges and you bring them into this. So my house may be full. Don't you know that it's not about just the Sunday gathering, but God does want us to gather on Sundays. 
He never said the church is dead as it relates to us being the ecclesia, the gathering. Next week, don't want to miss it, I'll be talking about fellowship, uh, koinonia, the fellowship, why it's important that we fellowship. So don't miss next week. You want to stick with me on this series. We're going to learn and grow. But God wants his house to increase. We are not only called to be saved and served, but we are also charged to go get others. You're not just called to come and confess, but with that confession, it should push you to want to go get others to make that same confession. And then that should push them to want to go get others to make that same confession until the whole earth is filled with his glory. Who would love to see that? Who wants to see your community saved? Who wants to see your family saved? Who wants to see your children saved? Who wants to see your co-workers saved? Come on, who wants to see it? And that's not going to happen if you just come here and sit and serve. It's only going to happen when your discipleship, uh, like I said last week, for those of you who, who didn't watch it, shame on you. It's when true discipleship begats evangelism. A true disciple has to evangelize. So today we read probably the most popular text among charismatic believers. And this has been the rallying cry for generations. So let's look at what happens when a church catch on fire. Subtitle, I am the church, a church on fire. I was going to come up here and throw matches, but my wife said I'm too much of a power maniac. So. Not going to set the church on fire because this membrane might just go poof. <laughs> we just, <laughs> just sitting here in, in a place with just metal beams. Uh, but, but a church has to catch on fire. Anchor, this is the year we go up in flames. Somebody need to receive that. This is the year... That we go up in flames. For years, I, I, when I teach leadership, I says, I tell them this. Um, they're like, well, how do I get business? I said, well, if you set a man on fire, people come from all over the world to watch him burn. And so we have to become a church that's on fire. As an uh, uh, old preacher, y- y'all might know him, but might not know him, Cardin Pilsen, Pearson before he lost his mind. He's saying, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire, catch on fire. Boy, y'all old school. <laughs> but, um, and, and so I wish we would catch on fire again for the things of God. So what happens when the church catch on fire? Number one, they produce a sound. There's a sound. There's a sound that comes out of a church that's on fire. And there's a difference from a fire that's external and a fire that's internal. A lot of us want to be moved externally, but we never allow the wicker in our soul to catch on fire to where the spirit is alive on the inside of us. And and, and I can't control it. I just have to say, thank you, God, like in worship. Sometimes y'all hear me just go, yeah. Because there's a fire that's on the inside of me that's burning and causing me to want to respond to God and let the world know how good God is and how good he's been to me. How many of you want to be on fire for God again? 
2020 tried to put your fire out. 2021 tried to put your fire out. But I'm asking you to commit this year to set yourself on fire from the inside out. Come on, who commits to being on fire? For Jesus, this is the year we have to get on fire. We have to be like Jeremiah, the lamenting prophet, the weeping prophet. He said this in 20 verse 9. He says, but if I say I will not remember him, capital H, or speak anymore in his name, capital H, then in my heart, it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding it in and I cannot endure it. That, guys, I am so weary of holding in the goodness of God. I cannot endure it. That's why I tell you, when I'm in the gym, my kids, they, they, they're working out with me now, Madison and Elisa, they come with me to the gym and, and they always laughing because when they're in the gym, while they're doing their sets, I'm ministering to someone. I'm sharing the gospel with someone. If I'm in a coffee shop, there's this new place, Nutrition 360, shameless plug. Jason and his wife, Courtney, beautiful family. I mean, I'm in there sitting at the table. I go and sit while they're making it, and I'm ministering to everyone because I'm on fire again. And look, (laughs) wood that's on fire when it come across another piece of dry wood, guess what happens to it? It catches on fire. Fire is contagious. And that's what Jeremiah said. He says, what if I say I won't remember him? And we have a generation of people that say they don't want to remember God. God isn't real. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm not going to speak in his name anymore. They're using every, every name but the name of Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that you have to come to the spot to where Jeremiah say, I cannot endure it. In one translation it says, I cannot hold it in. Yeah. There is just something inside of me that I cannot hold it in. Charles Spurgeon says, only he, who, who, only he is fit to preach who cannot avoid preaching, who feels that woe is upon him unless he preaches the gospel. Woe is upon me if I don't preach the gospel. It cannot just be about you. This is one of the greatest preachers of our time, of, of, of creation, to preach the gospel. Charles Spurs, and if you haven't read any of his books, go read it. He is an amazing preacher. And he says, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. He is the same one that says, preach always and sometimes use words. We have to make sure that as a church that we're sharing the good news of Jesus everywhere we go anchor we have to kick it in the overdrive do you hear me online you have to kick it in the overdrive it is time for us to stop coming here and just having believers meetings and hugging each other and high-fiving each other and singing songs that make us feel good but there's a world that is lost and dying and going to hell and it needs the life that the church can bring who would join me in reaching a generation I'm asking you right now to ask God to set your hearts ablaze that you will produce a sound of worship. Set your heart ablaze because in the upper room, it came down, landed on them like clothing tongues of fire and all heaven broke loose. 
the sound spilled out of the church into the community. Guys, I, I know sometimes we get complaints from our community about the noise. We're doing what we're supposed to do. As a matter of fact, we need to put a speaker outside and let them hear what we're talking about inside so they're not just getting the residual. <laughs> it produces sound. Number two, the cells of life. When the church is on fire, the cells of life are filled with wind. I'm going to make that make sense to you. John 20, 22, it says, then taking a deep breath, Jesus, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So taking, why, why is that important? The scripture doesn't waste words, okay? He, he said, and taking a deep breath, he breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. And taking a deep breath, he breathed upon them. Fire cannot exist without oxygen. I'll say that again. Fire cannot exist without oxygen. Rob the fire of the oxygen, the breath, you lose the fire. Ooh, can I, prof can I take a prophetic uh, sidestep? That's why COVID attacked the respiratory system of the church. Because he knew if I could take your oxygen, I can snuff the fire out. But I'm here to tell you that nothing can stop the breath and the wind of God from blowing in his church. And we will breathe and bless them. Come on, somebody. We are like sailboats. Unless we extend ourselves into the heavens we re and receive the wind, our lives won't move. Won't move. Gosh, I feel like teaching right now. So in, in this particular text in John, this is, this is Jesus right before his ascension. He takes a deep breath. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When we come to Acts chapter 2, what we read today, what, what, what did we hear? That a, a violent what? A violent what? Blast of what? Wind. Enter in. Jesus inhales. He exhales. They're in the upper room. All of a sudden, wind shows up. Let me say that again. Jesus inhale. He exhales. Says, receive the Holy Spirit. We turn to Acts chapter 2 and a violent wind shows up. <laughs> Could it be? That the wind in that moment, they probably sitting there waiting for something to happen when Jesus was talking to him. He's like, receive the Holy Spirit. And they're like, okay, what, what he did all that huffing and puffing for? And then finally, when they're in the upper room together, the results of the breath take place. Wind fire. Are you learning something? That's why we have to embrace what God says. Sometimes we have to be patient and wait. Could it be that what God spoke over your life isn't happening because you're not together yet? And when I'm talking about together, I'm not talking about being perfect and pristine and have it all together. I'm saying you're not unified with the mission. Could it be? 
what are these cells I'm talking about? Number one, the heart of man and compassion. It's the heart of man and compassion. We have to extend our heart to God and compassion. So when we extend our hearts in compassion, God fills it with his wind and we begin to move. Number two, the hand of man in service. We extend our hands to serve our community. We extend our hands to serve our friends. We extend our hands to serve our families. We extend our hands to serve everyone. So we extend our hearts, we extend our hand. And lastly, the spirit of man in worship. That's why worship is so important. Guys, we're putting a premium on prayer, worship, and, and discipleship this year. We want to make sure that we put a premium on those things. We will not just be a church with, without substance. We're going to be a substantive church where we're filled with the power of God, not just the things of God. And so we have to make sure that prayer, worship, we're making sure those things are in the forefront. So number one. What, what happens when a church can't find They produce a? Number two, what happens? The cells of life are filled with wind. Number three, we are filled to overflowing. We are filled to overflowing. Whenever a vessel is overflowing, everything around it is affected by the overflow. Everything around it is affected by the overflow. You keep pouring, everything gets wet, Right? And so in a church, when, when, when God begins to pour his spirit out upon us, everyone that comes in contact with us should benefit from that. Amen. Everyone should benefit from your life being on fire. You being the church, not just going to church. Because all these people that are making New Year's resolutions, I taught uh, about five years ago a message called Results Over Resolutions. And it's everyone making a resolution, but because it's just a momentary thought, it's not a permanent commitment. It's, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, so I'm going to say I'm doing this, Hashtag grind season. Hashtag is on now. Hashtag same what it is, different year, what it is, new year, new God. Same God, whatever. And it looks good on social media. But the moment he breathes and nothing happens in that moment, you go back to treating him like the old God. And so now we're robbing people of the overflow that's supposed to come from our lives. Let me ask you a question. I'll never forget uh, in my house, 5416 Oakland Drive, Glen Oaks, Louisiana. And... (laughs) I remember I bought the house for my dad and, and we moved in and the, uh, the septic tank blew up in the backyard. It had overflow. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> on the street knew about the overflow. <laughs> they were, you smell that? 
No. No, smell it. What happened was there was such a buildup like Jeremiah that it exploded and everyone for blocks on Oakland Drive, Summerall, Monarch, Glen Oaks Drive, Winchester, all of them knew that something had exploded. How many of you would allow God to fill you so much to where you have to just start pouring yourself out? We've created a generation of people that, Lord, fill me. Fill me. Fill me, Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting in my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Here's my cup, fill it up and make me whole. That's good. But now that it's filled, what you going to do with it? What you gonna do with it? You just gonna walk around with your chalice like Big Pimpin? <laughs> Look at what I got. I'm full. No, there has to be a release. John 7 37 38 says this Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will what? Will what? Will, come on, say it. Will what? No, we'll stay. No, we're going to build a dam and stop it. No, we got to keep this water on the inside of us. It says, no, and will flow rivers of living water. Ezekiel talks about this. He says, it was ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then it overtook people. What if the water was never flowing? We'll never see people overtaken. In Corinthians, it says this, that the unbeliever comes into our service and the preacher begins to read his mail. And as he begins to read his mail, it was an overflow from the pulpit to the person. He said he fell on his face and worshiped God. He got filled up. The Bible says he departed that place, went out into his community and told everyone truly the presence of God was there. We cannot just keep pulling up to the gas pump and never drive anywhere. Come on. That's good. Can I be your pastor? Anchor, we will not be a church to where you just come and feed, 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 and never feed anyone else. Yes. Pour out yes. what you got. Guys, we should be reaching people at all times. We have to be a church that's setting the world on fire. We're world changers. We're called to destroy the kingdom of darkness. We're salt and light. 
do you hear my heart this morning? I am the church. Come on, say that. Say, I am the church. Come on, online. Say, I am the church. Listen, as the church, we should pour out what we receive lavishly. It's the woman with the alabaster box. She filled it up. She thought she was, you know, it's valuable. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to invest it. I'm going to put this in a safe deposit box. And we take what we get on Sunday mornings and we go put it up. We hide it. We want to hide what we got. We go, I'm going to hold on to this. And, and, and we walk past a broken person on the street. We walk past a broken person in the grocery store. We walk past a broken person at a sporting event. We walk past and we be like, well, it's not my responsibility. It is your responsibility. It's your job to tell them about the goodness of God. It's your job to let them know about a God who loves them too much to leave them where they are. It's your job to tell them that while they're in the state that they're in, that the cross is still vacant and the tomb is still empty. And we serve a risen Savior who loves them right where they are. It is your job. your job acre to reach your neighbor do you want to get to heaven and standing before God and the person you live next to for 10 15 20 years is not in that place with you You've worked with them a whole career. Y'all talked about everything. The game, y'all played fantasy sports together. Y'all hung out, y'all went to the clubs, y'all did all these things, but you never told them about Jesus. Is that the church you want to be? It's that, well, well, um, um, if I could just get them to 17, 15 nickels and extend it, I, I mean, I can, no, you're the church. You are the extended of anchor. Y'all love me? It's tight, but it's right. Lastly, we tell everyone the gospel. When the church is on fire, we tell everyone the gospel. Who do we tell? The gospel. Look at this statement. Write it down. Take a picture. When you are on fire, you allow tongues of fire to fall on all who come in contact. I love what he tells Hosea. He says, make sacrifices with the calves of your lips. And Hosea is confused. He's like, what, what, what are you talking about, God? I think this is Hosea 14. And he says, and take with you words. Listen, he said, and take with you words. So he's in the presence of God. He's standing in God's presence, Natasha. He's standing there in the presence of a holy God, Courtney. God is right there, David. He is, he is all around him. And God tells him, take with you words. What are these words? 
Revelation, it tells us we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let me ask the question, has God been good to you? Yes. Has God been better than good to you? Has, it, yes. has, he, has he protected you? Has he shielded you? Yes. Has he healed you? Yes. Has he ever brought you through anything? Yes. You don't have to know Genesis to Revelation, but I know, I know my beginning to where I am now. Yes. And my life was a mess until I ran into a man named Jesus. And that's a good enough testimony to tell. I might can't tell you the address of the scripture. Y'all, I told y'all I'm less distant. I'm not the best with telling you the address, but I can tell you what God did to my life. All of you have a testimony. Come on, say, I'm on fire. Come on, turn to your neighbor, take a match out your purse and set them on fire. Just uh, go for it right now. Go, go, go right now. Set them on. Where's that? Where's that thing at, Kevin? We're just going to. That, that's the altar call today. We're setting everyone on fire. Come, come, come down to the altar. We're going to light you on fire. Those of you online, we have your address. We're coming to your house. Grand arson. That's what we're doing. <laughs> come on, everyone stand to your feet right now. Did you learn something? Somebody shout Fire. God desires so much. You can take it, uh, Elder. God desires so much that we catch on fire so we can reach our community. That Jesus did it. He's the great example. He's the example. How many of you know people that need to hear this gospel? Come on, hands real high if you know people. This is a year of big hope. We're going to do everything big. Go back and listen to it. We're going to grow numerically. This place is going to be packed two, three times over this year. It's going to happen. Um, But it's not going to happen. God spoke it, but we have a responsibility. If we're not reaching people, God's not a man that he can't lie. You'll start seeing what he promised us happen in somebody else's life. Who wants God to fill you up this morning? So you can pour out. (laughs) Who wants God to fill you up so he can pour you out? Come on, just lift your hands to Jesus right now. Father, I pray now that the power of the Holy Ghost will fall upon your people right now. Father, let the wind of God blow through this place. Rest upon us, God. Give us the words. Jesus, you said you'll be with us even until the ends of the earth. As we go, you go with us. That's what your word says. And you told Hosea, take with you words. So Father, I pray God that 
you will fill them now God set them ablaze on the inside let us be a church on fire oh God the father that our communities that our families that our jobs our co-workers the grocery store the marketplace wherever we are God let people feel your power and understand that there is hope for every soul. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.